0: Let's explore what it means to be well.
1: From meditation, stress management, safer substance use, and sexual health, we will literally talk sex, drugs, and rock and roll.
0: Join us to dive deep into some student health questions. We'll learn about wellness together, try some coping tools, and meet some interesting people.
1: Your co-hosts, Heather and Craig.
0: The perfect blend of Campus Health and Wellness Center and South.
1: Each week, we'll DIY a wellness tool together.
0: And then nerd out and dig into the science, behind how
1: it works email your health and wellness related questions to wellpod at durhamcollege.ca to be discussed anonymously on air welcome Welcome to the the wellpod at at dc DC.
0: welcome to the wellpod from the media hub on riotradio.ca today we are talking all about what's the buzz with belonging our student question of the week was i miss my old friends back home is homesickness a real thing I don't feel like i belong here so we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to belong and we have a special guest with us this week we'll talk about the science behind belonging and how we can cultivate belonging as a wellness tool craig have you felt that feeling of being new to something and kind of not really belonging
1: for sure for sure i mean being new in general like any new job that i've ever had and you're coming in and it feels like everybody knows everything and i'm Newbie. The newbie.
0: Absolutely. I saw Tim Horton's casting call for a commercial a little while ago and it was asking, what groups do you belong to? And it kind of made me reflect, as an adult, once you kind of leave post-secondary, you don't really sometimes have a lot of those same groups that you're able to develop Mm -hmm. in some of the settings like college and university. Uh, Do you belong currently to any clubs, teams, societies of sorts?
1: No specific ones, no. Just secret ones that you're not allowed to. so let's be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) No, but just Mm -hmm. things that I've gotten involved in. And then you tend to make community, um, you know, as you meet people doing those same things, Mm -hmm. even though you're not in an official team, official club. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, a fun fact that I stumbled upon when I was doing research for this week on belonging is that some bees, such as honeybees and bumblebees, are eusocial species. Do you know this term, eusocial? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they form these highly complex societies where they represent true society, uh, eusociety, which is the highest degree of being social. And so these bees are very interdependent on one another. Each has its own role, each supports each other, and they can't like go back and do order roles like they have to stay in this role and move forward. And so everyone literally has a role to play in the society and support each other. And just like the honeycomb structure, the hexagon is the strongest known shape. Hmm. Uh, So I thought that was really interesting thinking about uh, that connection with Mm -hmm. blogging. So research has discovered that social ties that accompany belonging are protective factors helping us manage our stress. When we feel we have support and we're not alone, it often helps us feel more resilient, coping with difficult times a little bit better, like starting new experiences such as college. So belonging increases and improves our sense of motivation and health and happiness. It signals a sense of acceptance as being part of something. And many researchers agree that sense of belonging is a human need. So belonging is that feeling of connectedness to a group or community. It's the sense that you're part of something, a shared set of beliefs and ideals. Belonging is a feeling of unity with a common sense of character. Uh, If you've ever been to watch our varsity sports teams, our D.C. lords really know how to bring the energy and bring the sense of community. It's great energy, but you don't need to be a varsity level skilled player in order to benefit from belonging to a team here at Durham College. So we have our campus recreation and athletics department here today to talk a little bit about belonging. Here we are with Christy, campus rec coordinator. Hello. Uh, Hello. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the WellPod on riotradio.ca. Yes, uh, I didn't play a lot of sports, team sports, growing up, uh, so I wasn't really part of kind of that rec life culture. What's the buzz with rec life and belonging? I think the
2: the interesting part of recreation is that you definitely don't have to be an athlete, right? The varsity sports tend to be higher level athletes, um, students that have played um, maybe in high school or in rep levels, and the point of recreation really is to. Um, create that wellness from a physical standpoint for all students. So mm. all students are welcome. Um, we offer so many different programming opportunities from a recreational standpoint, all the way up to a little bit more of a competitive level. Um, we even offer programming that isn't even sport related. So something like our activity days that we offer, students can come in, play giant games in the gym, like a chess or a checkers or something. Jenga. So, yeah, Jenga. So there's a lot of like uh, Connect Four, a lot of fun components there. Um, and that's just more for people to be able to experience the Rec Center, maybe see some other programming that we offer but you don't again have to be that all-star athlete to join um, and that's it is open to everybody
0: Mm -hmm. and for you what kind of drew you into this role because you've been here for a number of years and I think in your personal life as well you have kind of this rec appreciation so what is it about kind of recreational activities that draws you in
2: Um, I think just being participating in sport my whole life and I tended to be more on the varsity side of things or more on the competitive side of things um, but being a student um, actually on this campus back in the day um, I did participate in intramurals, and that was a great way for my roommates and I to go out, mm-hmm. get involved in something. A great way for. Um, a lot of even people that were on my varsity team, we would get together and join a rec volleyball league or something like that. So I think it was more of a fun atmosphere and a fun vibe. Um, and it's a wonderful way to meet people. And I think for us, it was that one hour a week. We looked forward to seeing each other. Um, again, a different way for us to connect outside of kind of that intensive athletic environment. Um, and so for me, it was more about just having that, again, a social time um, and a time to connect with students, other you know other friends outside of my kind of my varsity world in a different way. So that, was, uh, that has brought that enjoyment has then transferred over obviously into this opportunity Mm -hmm. and so i'm in my 10th school year now which is really exciting um it's been really amazing to be able to provide these opportunities for students um in in over the past couple years uh, especially through covid and everything we did what we could but even um even before that just bringing recreation as a whole in a really full full full-time capacity to the athletic center for students to partake in and we've grown so much over the years so it's always always doing new and different things which is great
1: Mm -hmm. and i think it's neat like then also like you continue with what you enjoy Mm -hmm. and as much as we're talking about students it continues after you're just like the role it continues after you're done being a student and continuing to meet people even to use myself as the example with my membership at the center is like was like oh i see you have ping pong tables and but i don't know anyone else who plays i spoke to the people at front desk and it was like oh actually someone was just here the other day Mm -hmm. who doesn't have someone who they can play with i've since met the person we played a number of times and it's Mm that's you get to know somebody that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have really known that well right and so
0: and i think that's a barrier i know for myself is i'm also reflecting on i don't feel like i have the skill i'm not like this Mm -hmm. all-star athlete I maybe don't have that friend to kind of go with yeah. so what are some kind of tips and tricks you have when people are like curious about this that are maybe wanting to get involved what's some like motivational push for yeah them? so it's definitely can be intimidating to yeah. go um to pop by the rec center
2: i know that for sure we have wonderful welcoming staff mm-hmm. we have about 150 student staff um, and then uh, obviously many full-time staff as well but lots and lots of students around that are supporting our services that are Um, willing to answer questions at any time, the biggest thing I would say is to go by Ask your questions if you have them. Um, That gives you really more information in terms of what you can get involved in. Um, Another strategy would be something like intramurals, for example, we have free agent teams. So those would be teams where we join all of our individual players together. So traditionally, Mm -hmm. captains will make a team, the players will register and join the team, but for something like a rec volleyball, um, you can create a, the free agent team is there. So as an individual player, you can just join. And what tends to happen is obviously they're all individual players together. Everybody meets, you're automatically connected with a new group from you know u- integrating university and college students um, and I've even seen really cool scenarios where that team will then re-register as a group the next semester. So that's just kind of the the organic nature of it, which is really, really cool. Um, but I think it's it's going there and finding your niche, right? And if it mm-hmm. means that you just try one fitness class um, or you maybe go to the gym and you just walk on the treadmill that day, it doesn't mean you have to go and do everything um, or you have to do it at this, again, this athletic capacity. I think it's just going in and trying one thing. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the next time you go in, the same person's working at the desk and they greet you again, and then maybe you can ask another question. So I think. Again, braving it and and entering and going there can be intimidating. Um, But I really encourage people to just go and ask that first question and try that first class. And then, if you know, again, if it doesn't work for you, then maybe you go a different avenue. Um, But I like to think that we do offer such a wide variety of programming that it everybody can find their niche, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's an indoor track. So maybe you're just coming and walking on the track in the winter for half an hour in between classes. Um, and that's, you know, that's your participation and that's your engagement and what you can do to kind of better yourself from a wellness standpoint while you're on campus. So yeah, I think it, it getting there is hard, but just ask that first question and take that first step. And I think the rest will just kind of lead you, lead you through yeah. that experience.
1: And I think like bouncing off what you're saying is like teams, right? It doesn't even, you have the aspect of all the individuals coming together on a team doesn't have to be a team thing go to the flex center and you're on the treadmill yeah and it's usually the same people at the same time and you start to you know at least Hey, how are you doing mm-hmm. to the person? You don't know their name at first, yes. maybe, but you yeah. start to get to know each other. Maybe, Definitely right? a
2: lot of familiar faces. Yeah. And you might notice that in like a fitness class mm-hmm. environment. And again, even just mm-hmm. the staff working there, maybe you say hi to somebody a couple of times and then you kind of work up the courage. Okay, today I'm going to ask about this. So I'm going to mm-hmm. ask about that. And um, again, so much of the programming is offered throughout the years. So if you don't get a chance in the fall, it's really busy, you're intimidated to go. Um, maybe you can pop by in January and we have a whole new like plethora of programming that you can join. Um, so yeah, I would just say to people, just try to go once and ask that question or do that one class mm-hmm. and kind of see where it takes you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you, I would like to think that it's such a welcoming environment and there is so much opportunity for students. So just mm-hmm. taking that first step is so important.
0: And why for you has like, not necessarily just team sport, but just kind of being part of this community. Mm-hmm. What kind of benefits do you notice it has in your own life? Um, oh, in my own life. Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: do you mean in terms of like me participating in sport or just being able to provide this force to all of it all of it i think for me from a job perspective i get so much reward from just being able to give these opportunities to students because i know that it benefits them whether it's physically socially mentally Mm -hmm. um, emotionally i know that there is benefit so that's kind of what um, kind of keeps me going and pushes me through you know, a busy school year is being able to you know, know that I know these students are benefiting and they've communicated that to us, right? That this is they look forward to it every week. This is something that they really want to do and they, you know, everybody's really keen to register. So you know that they want to get involved um, or pop by, try class, whatever that looks like. Um, in my own life, I, again, I'm a continuous sport participant, so I look forward to doing that. Uh, with my family, I enjoy doing that. So I think just being well and being active when you can, in mm-hmm. what capacity you can. You can't do it every day. I think that's also something that um, someone may expect is I have to be there every day. I have to be active every day to live this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not so much that I think it's just everything in moderation and it's being able to do what you can when you can. And that's kind of Post school and all that, when you're busy with life, I try to apply that to my everyday is what can I do today? And if I can't do it today, maybe I can try again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, But just trying to really integrate it into your everyday, even if it's a 20 minute walk, not a two hour power workout, but a 20 minute Mm -hmm. walk, that still counts for something. And that's still so important to just maintaining, just being active in general.
0: Absolutely. Um, One of the things that we've been talking about as well is when we join a team, at first it can be really nerve wracking if Mm -hmm. we don't know the people, but I love hearing that then this little group has kind of continued forward as a team. Um, Can you share a little bit about like watching students kind of come together what are you noticing it does for more of that social mm-hmm. level
2: yeah um i think it's just you expose yourself to a different group of students right they have different mm-hmm. interests they're in different programs they're obviously at different institutions um so you know usually post game you see everybody usually they're hanging out afterwards maybe they're going to throw the volleyball around again um oftentimes the teams um, or even sometimes they have coaches we have students that come and coach for fun lots of spectators that are involved mm-hmm. um they might even have like a team chat so they make. Get together outside they may come to drop in together and then practice just for fun not required but that's just something that you know being a part of just that team it will transpire into other things um and it could be a case of then you know you are then going to the gym with somebody who you met on your intramural team so similar to you meeting somebody through table tennis or something like that i think it it just casts a wider net and you're able to, again, connect with people that you wouldn't normally connect with. They're not from your class, you know. maybe they're not a roommate. Um, so I think that that's kind of the really neat part of it is just being able to expose yourself to different people and maybe you're learning different things or you hear about a different program or um, socially, you know, you're going out for pizza after the game or whatever that looks like. So I think that um, it's just a really, it's kind of an organized way to meet mm-hmm. people, right? You don't have to go to a, you know, a social meeting or something on campus where you're unsure, you kind of know what's happening, you have a scheduled time. So mm-hmm. um, I think from the organized perspective, it's really nice, too, because, you know, you know what you're participating in, yeah. you know, when you're going. And I think for those that may um, that may be intimidating, it's kind of planned and organized for you. So that's mm. the nice part. And you all have a common goal. Yes. So I say that's something else as well as in that team environment. Um you have a common goal, so you all, you want to win, right? Yeah. Ultimately you want to win. It's okay if you don't, but you, you ultimately want to win and through playoffs and and all of the, the things that we offer for fun things throughout the semester. Um, you know, there's championship t-shirts and that kind of thing. So it's always nice to see those teams be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, yeah, I think it's just, it's meeting new people that yeah. you wouldn't normally meet in your like day to day routine on campus.
1: So. Mm-hmm. And something that comes to mind for me is like, we had the the uh, show where we talked about focus and unfocus.
0: Are you referencing past episodes again, in Past Craig?
1: episodes. <laughs> it's what I do. It's what I do. One. That's it. <laughs> but in terms of just taking your mind off the rest of stuff, because when you are as a team working towards you know of course the hope is winning but i'm not thinking about all the stuff that i have to get done outside of this and so you know even the stress of um just starting to get to know people but i'm focusing on that not focusing on i have to do this this, this and so the break in a way that yes, our, it gets it our is. mind as much as it's stressful it's important. Maybe at first.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I will think people will say, Oh, it's too much to commit to, or Oh, it sounds like a lot, but something like intramurals, for example, a fitness class, it's only one hour. Mm -hmm. So you're only committing to, not even, sometimes it can be 45 minutes. So you're really only committing to this small, small time. But I think that that's important for you to your point to remove yourself from the academics and the intensity of that and to really, you know, pull yourself away and the social aspect is great, but physically you are benefiting Mm -hmm. yourself, right? You're moving and you're stretching and you're, you know, you're challenging yourself with different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that is, that is a really key part of it. So that's neat that you brought that up for sure.
0: How can students get connected? Where can we find out more information about all the wonderful stuff you're doing? Um, So
2: campus recreation is on durhamlords.com, which is our new, our varsity was previously on there. And now all of our athletics and recreation services are available on durhamlords.com. So that's a really great way to find everything that we offer um, from drop-in all the way up again to our varsity sports. And then we have um, pretty active social media platforms. So we're on Mm -hmm. DCOT Campus Rec. So we're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, And uh, so you can easily connect with us there. And that's where we do a little bit more of our day-to-day promo and events and that kind of thing Um, but the the bulk of the information if you're looking for fitness classes intramurals um, just even hours for the facilities and that kind of thing would all be on durhamlords.com
0: Wonderful. Coming up after this musical break, we're going to continue to explore belonging, but look more at the science behind it. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at DCSA Media Hub, as well as at Wellness at DC. Here as We Belong Together, featuring Danielle Him by Bye Bye Vampire Weekend, right here on RiotRadio.ca. Thanks, Christy. Thank Thanks. you.
3: Like sign, sign black and white, day and night We go together like left and right, oh, we go together We go together like give and take, pains and aches, real and fake We go together, don't be opaque, it's clear we go together sands batters and cans we go together like lines and-
0: Welcome back to the WellPod at DC from the Media Hub here on riotradio.ca. So what is the science behind belonging? You are not alone, you belong, and it gets better. These three powerful messages were designed as part of a belonging intervention by a social psychologist at Stanford, uh, Gregory Watson. And he developed something called a tribunal retraining, where it's a motivational intervention that cultivates belonging based on attribution theory. Do you know a little bit about attribution theory? I don't. I feel like it's kind of your world with biases and some I think I just haven't
1: heard the term. If it's related to that, maybe
0: just the way I'm pronouncing it. No, uh, no, no, no.
1: (laughs) I think you're saying it just fine. I just don't know. Yeah, Yeah. that's a theory.
0: It's really, really interesting. It was actually developed uh, way back in the 50s and 60s, and there was this really pivotal book in psychology called *The Psychology of Interpersonal Relationships* by Frisch Heider, and he sparked the study of attribution theory. And the idea, kind of the larger premise behind it, is people will explain the actions of others and themselves in turn uh, in turn of either internal or external factors. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it helps us gain just a little bit more constr- uh, sense of control. Uh, so Dr. Gregory Walton's uh, attributional retraining uh, was trying to help individuals increase their sense of performance by encouraging controllable failure attribution. So it involves seeing yourself as an expert on what you have experienced and then writing like a to-do guide for other people that might be going through the same experience. Okay,
1: so I've kind of heard of that in in more that description of it from yeah. a, instead of uh, for example, like training for a triathlon is mm-hmm. like don't think, okay, what would I, what should I do to train it but uh, looking at it from a, am a triathlete what mm-hmm. does a triathlete do yeah. in order to train for a triathlon that I have down the road
0: absolutely yeah, Okay. so the actual intervention you kind of write down suggestions for other people on how to cope with something that you have experienced so the idea is to shift self blame of our mm. experiences to see that we weren't alone and that other people have had similar experiences so it hopes to cultivate this deeper sense of belongingness a lot of research and college. College settings and college students looked for causes for their academic successes and failures and it was shaping their sense of academic competence and so this intervention was designed to replace students unhelpful explanations with things that actually sustain motivation mm-hmm. so instead of oh well I you know I was just feeling lazy I stayed up too late it was giving them actual tangible to dos to help themselves move forward mm-hmm. Um, And so it really, again, kind of shifted that self-blame to I'm not alone and there's others going through it. And this built in 1995 on something called the need to belong theory uh, by By Mister and Leary, where they looked how human beings are motivated to establish a certain amount of stable and positive interpersonal relationships. And the idea is that strong, positive relationships between an individual's sense of themselves. And we when we have that with other individuals, it increases our sense of happiness and subjective well-being. So once again, college students were used as really good rats uh, in the studies. And what we noticed is that college students experience a greater sense of belonging, reducing anxiety, depression, and loneliness. So that's kind of our why, especially in a college setting, why we want to increase the sense of belonging and really kind of create a sense of culture and community here is because of the health implications research is showing us. It's actually the opposite of ostracism. Have you heard that term before? Ostracism? Yeah,
1: ostracized, (laughs) right? Ostracized. Being separated out from a group or a person.
0: Exactly. And UBC did a study on this in 2015, and they found they were trying to explore is negative attention better than no attention. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And what they found is that the comparative effects of ostracism and harassment at work—that ostracism, so being kind of banished and excluded—was more damaging than bullying and harassment in the workplace.
1: Like someone's paying attention to me at least, even though they're bullying me, than just people are ignoring me.
0: Completely being shunned by society. Hmm. Yes, uh, Sandra Robinson, who co-authored the study, said, "We've been taught that ignoring someone is socially preferable. Do you know the saying? If you." don't have anything nice to say, Mm -hmm. don't say anything at all, we need to stop doing that because this study and many others are finding that this actually leads people to feel more helpless, like they're not worthy of any attention at Mm -hmm. all. Low sense of belonging is found in research to be one of the biggest predictors of depression. In fact, it's the major factor uh, commonly associated with depression. And one of the other really interesting areas of research is looking at smartphones. So we've heard a little bit of the research with smartphones, how maybe the kind of addiction that we're seeing is because it's like that instant gratification, Mm -hmm. instant dopamine hit, the more likes that we're seeing. But actually in 2018, the Journal of Theoretical and Philosophical Psychology found uh, that there is another link happening here. What do you think they found when they tried to examine our addiction when it came to smartphones? Do you think it's just the dopamine, just the reward system being activated?
1: I think that's a big part of it, but I've come across some stuff that I might bounce off what you're going to share here in a moment. But in terms of, I think there's an aspect of, of not just the dopamine, but the interaction that does come from it in the sense of, just what we're talking about belonging right i share something and you like it let's say or even better you respond to it Mm -hmm. and now we have some social interaction going on
0: absolutely so the study was called "Hypernatural monitoring a social rehearsal account of smartphone addictions and they found that smartphones are compelling not just because they give us this dopamine hit but because they tap into our fundamental need to connect humans have a deep desire to monitor others and be monitored by each other Uh, to be seen and heard so they agreed that yes the reward instant reward and dopamine hit is a bit of an issue that is leading to addiction but they propose that at its core it's maybe due to this older evolutionary mechanism the human need to be monitored and monitor others and seek belonging and seek connection so really really interesting Uh, A little bit when we look at the world of addictions, there's an intersection with belonging and addictions and substance use. 2018, there's an article in the British Psychological Society that looked at addiction and the importance of belonging. And what they found at the University of Queensland is when we are consumed in our addictions, when we are um, noticing a negative impact from our relationship with substances, there's two streams of belonging that are influencing our path. The first is what is called identity gain pathway. And then there's an identity gain pa- a loss pathway. So the idea is that both are mar- motivated by our need to belong. And so when we start using a substance, we're kind of taking on a new persona, a new mm-hmm. identity. And so we start hanging around people that also engage with that substance. So it's kind of fueling that need to belong, that mm-hmm. need to be part of a community. And then at the same time, we're losing our identity with our older group. And if there was uh, healthy relationships there, maybe we have a parent. Parent that's getting really upset with our substance use. So that disconnect, that ostracism and mm-hmm. not belonging is fueling that even more for us to seek belonging and use that substance and stay with this new group. So mm-hmm. it's a, a really interesting partnership uh, that it has. And it reminds me of the famous Spanish proverb, tell me who you are or tell me who your friends are and I will tell you who you are. So the idea is that we can kind of predict our behavior by who we hang out with and uh, it dictates almost who we're becoming as well. So Craig, what are some ways that you see belonging kind of showing up in our body and our brain? What research were you able to go down today?
1: Yeah, so I'm just going to bounce back maybe to the social media, even yeah. though it's a little bit, well, it's related to this, uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't really uh, per se planning it, but is the idea of social media more from the, like, how you how you use it? And so mm-hmm. later on, I might reference this book that I'm reading as well, but make sure I get it on camera, but uh, <laughs> this is The uh, the Good Life, and it's written by these two authors that currently are in charge of a Harvard research um, study that's basically lasted eighty. years years where they have um, they have uh, had people in this basically happiness study and they started the people in the study and they would do research like asking them questions via you know mail at first Mm -hmm. have them come to Harvard for questions and so on and they followed them through their lives and now it's really interesting because 85 years in they're starting to follow their kids and see happiness in terms of the outcomes of their kids and plan on continuing further down the road, yeah. but one of the things that I came across uh, just the other day was related to social media and social media use, and so it's interesting because you mentioned the dopamine hits, right, mm-hmm. of, okay, someone likes something that I post, okay, another like, another like, and I'm getting those shots of dopamine, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's some aspect of interaction there, you know, when you mm-hmm. enjoy something, just like, okay, I enjoy doing this show, dopamine is being released, you know, from the, oh, this yeah. is feel good right as the feel good hormone that uh, i'd say that we've talked about before but i'm not going to mention any <laughs> previous shows um but in terms of that it was uh you know some of the positive of social media like connecting with people unlike we've ever been able to
0: mm-hmm.
3: right
1: to use my family as an example my mm-hmm. wife her family is not close by yeah so as she posts on you know her various uh, apps and so on then her family gets to still be a part of our you know my my kids growing up for example Mm -hmm. they're seeing what's going on or we can hop on a call even though they're you know in another country and so on and we are connected to them in that Mm -hmm. way so it can be a really a really good thing but it's interesting some of the research that they then related it to and especially coming off of COVID Mm. right not that everywhere had the same benefit that uh, you know we had here you know in terms of connection Mm -hmm. but then research went into okay but then it was good that people could be those who could be connected via social yeah. media because it alleviated some of the loneliness and mm-hmm. so on that uh, came along with that right mm-hmm. but one of the things that i was going to say that they realize is it's not the same as being there with a person mm-hmm. so other hormones that we've talked about before like oxytocin mm-hmm. comes from among other things like touch yes. right skin yeah. to skin contact as we've talked about yeah and so you can't have skin-to-skin contact when you're Online. posting social media or even yeah. in a phone call. And so there's still changes that go on, like different hormones mm. tied to our social interactions that, yeah, you're getting that bit of dopamine, but you're not having these other hormones the necessarily other yeah. that are still needed to build that that connection. Mm-hmm. Right? And so another article that I uh, came across was related to some of the interplay in our brains of uh, of hormones and and our feeling of uh of social connection or social isolation and so one of the articles I came across was uh has a long name acute social isolation in midbrain you know sciencey, various fancy <laughs> words but this was Tomova at et al other other research uh, researchers in 2020 it was Mm -hmm. sort of asked this question of like how are people affected not by the connection but by the lack of connection Mm. by social isolation what's going on in their brain and and in terms of relating it to sort of like craving Um, connection with people and so Mm. on and so it's been shown in like in in mice that these connections uh, you know are there in terms of things i don't you know they create all kinds of things and awards for the mice and they say this is what happened in the brain but it's harder sometimes to know what's going on in humans brains right and so they wanted to see like does this translate is there something going on in our brain when we experience social isolation mm. and it's really interesting because then they tied it actually to food in the mm. sense of like hunger and that desire for food when you're yes. hungry and what's going on the, in the brain to kind of compare the the two situations mm. to each other. So they, um, yeah, you had said earlier is like they were looking at this because like the, that inherent need for social connection, yeah. whether you're introvert, extrovert, yeah. right? It's still like we have some level of a basic human need, just like Absolutely. food, just like water. And all that to say, that's where the food and water connection came in. So they ran mm-hmm. some research where with the new technology we have of uh, fMRIs to check people's brains while we do stuff, we could yeah. you know, look into things and what's going on. Mm. But they kind of did the research in two stages. So the first was they got 40 healthy and socially healthy adults. Mm. The article made me feel old because it said young adults ages 18 to 40. And then I was like, threw it down in disgust. And then was like, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll still read it.
0: Geriatric. Yeah, yeah,
1: unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but they had a mixture, both males and females and this, this age range and what they had the people do, thankfully not at the same time, they weren't jerks, Mm -hmm. but they had them go um, for 10 hours without any social interaction with anybody else. Interesting. And then at another time, because like I said, they weren't jerks, they had them go without food mm-hmm. for 10 hours, Yeah, not eating anything or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then they asked them about their experiences. What did you feel after being socially isolated for the 10 hours? Mm-hmm. And so the social, uh, socially isolated participants um, reported increased social craving. Uh, right. I want to, I want to go do something or be with somebody, a discomfort with the situation that was ranked uh, higher than those that weren't going through the 10 hours, Mm -hmm. a dislike of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. A very unhappy that they had to be isolated. And then that they overall experienced decreased happiness. Wow. So then they had the same people at a different time, but go through 10 hours without eating. Hmm. And then they asked them the same questions. And what the people experienced was an increased food craving. Mm -hmm. I want to eat, Mm -hmm. but I can't during the 10 hours. That they had discomfort with the being hungry, Mm -hmm. right? They had a dislike for hunger. Mm -hmm. And they reported decreased happiness relative to those who could eat. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because those four, if you caught it, are basically almost word for word other than hunger and socially isolated being swapped out from each other.
0: The same. Wow.
1: And so they did a second part of the research where they actually took the people after asking them those uh, questions and after the 10 hours of each of the social isolation and the mm-hmm. and the hunger, and they put them into this big machine that then monitors what's going on in their brain. And they found they found in other animals or primates, I should say, like mm-hmm. parts of the brain that uh, are then related to these two things. And mm-hmm. so we'll get a picture up of uh, the part of the brain that they uh, found, and it's it's uh, a little bit zoomed in but that's absolutely fine because it's that middle image there that we're really looking at yeah and as big as those red and green dots look it's it's a it's a pretty tiny area of the brain yeah. and it's got a very interesting name that i'm gonna have to read off my page here <laughs> it's the substantia nigra pars compacta and ventral tegmental areas
0: say that 10 times fast
1: i cannot say it one time fast <laughs> so i won't try you know i always love these really long sciencey words because you translate it. it sounds so fancy sub substantia nigra pars compacta literally translates pars compacta little tiny area because it's little tiny Aww. and substantia nigra because there's little black some sort of chemical in there that the first person saw and so they called it the black substance in the tiny area of the brain can't call it that as a scientist we got to come up with something fancy right so um but in this area this is then um this is then what they or this is part of our dopaminergic um um Uh, system and so it kind of ties back to that same thing of you know pressing the phone or getting likes or whatever and the dopamine being released but Mm -hmm. it was tied to these things became active when they put them in the functional uh, MRI the fMRI Mm -hmm. and then they showed them pictures of people if they were in the group where they were socially isolated, showed them pictures of food if they were in that group as well, and then a control showed them pictures of flowers. Interesting. And then they did the same thing for the uh, hungry people and showed them pictures of people, and they showed them pictures of food, and they showed them pictures of flowers as the control group. And long story short, they found that that same area was releasing dopamine Mm. when you put the socially isolated people and showed them pictures of other people. Mm -hmm. Or if you put the hungry people in the fMRI and showed them pictures pictures of of food, those lit up like crazy because they're releasing the dopamine of like, yay, I'm in a way kind of getting what I want right even though it's not actually interacting with uh with people and so on and so it's just a really interesting situation of like yeah there's this part of our brain that's you know gets gets prepared for and rewards us for seeking out, in this case, what our overall topic is, mm-hmm. social, social interaction. Mm-hmm. Kind of like hunger on a basic need, right? Mm-hmm. That we actually need that in order to, uh, or as part of our, our life, just like food, just like water and so on. Fascinating. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs>
0: Coming up after the music break, we're going to continue to explore, but look at how we can cultivate belonging as a wellness tool. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at DCSA Media Hub, as well as at Wellness at DC. Here is Belonging by Bread, right here on riotradio.ca.
3: so very bad that i could almost taste it and so i gave mine all to you and hoped you would not waste it i lay touched my face I knew that I belonged belonging to someone sing my song of love to My melodies would soon dry up and the words would leave me too It all would come to pass if I could not belong to you I want had love so very bad that I could almost taste it.
0: Welcome back to the WellPod at DC from the Media Hub on riotradio.ca. So how can we cultivate belonging to support our well-being? Janine Stewart, a NeuroLeadership Institute CEO, mentioned that when we share a sense of social identity with a group, we can lean in, use our strengths, and be authentically who we are. Being surrounded by other human beings doesn't guarantee a sense of belonging so it's not about just like being around people Mm -hmm. um, that we look at when we look at some of the research on belonging belonging actually has to do with the identification as a member as part of that group and the high quality interactions that come from that it's the interactions over time which are supportive as a full authentic human being so how do we create the sense of belonging. A couple of key avenues that you can find, one talks about embrace groups, right? Just sign up, go to campus rec, Mm -hmm. join a sports team, Mm -hmm. do something around other people. So join a DCSA network, for instance, just be part of something. And being a Durham College student, you're already part of something. You're part of a really great community and culture here. So one of the first strategies was just kind of place yourself in environments or group settings Mm -hmm. where you have the opportunity to have these interactions. But the other big tip was around signaling acceptance. Give a focused attention to these new individuals that you're trying to get to know, listen and invest. Be more curious than defensive. But the biggest tip has to do around authenticity, being authentic and remembering that belonging is not about fitting in. Brene Brown describes herself as a researcher, storyteller, and currently enraged Texan who spent the past two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. She currently works for the University of Houston and the University of Texas. And in 2007, she came out with a really great book called Braving the Wilderness, The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone. It's a fantastic book that's at the heart all about belonging and how we can show up and belong. And she states that true belonging doesn't require that we change who we are it requires that we be who we are and we have a quick little video clip on her expanding on this a little bit more
1: I was so shocked to learn in the research that the opposite
2: of belonging is fitting in because fitting in is assessing a group of people and thinking who do I need to be what do I need to say what do I need to wear how do I need to act and changing who you are and true belonging never asks us to change who we are it demands that we be who we are because if we if we belo- if we fit in because how we've changed ourselves that's not belonging. That's not belonging because you betrayed yourself for other people. Mm. And that's not sustainable.
0: Thoughts on Brené Brown and her idea of the difference between fitting in and belonging.
1: Yeah, no it's really interesting like I never would have thought of it like that's the the opposite. Yeah. But at the same time it makes total sense right because in terms of at least what i'm quickly thinking off the top of my head right is there's a difference between i go and i'm part of a team like we were talking about and Mm -hmm. i enjoy that sport and we're developing as a team and hanging out and i get Mm -hmm. to be myself versus okay pretend like you enjoy this so that you have somebody to hang out with is now i'm spending my time doing something I kind of don't like.
0: Absolutely.
1: Sort of just to fit in, if you will, is the reward. Like reward, if you mm-hmm. will, like on the For science sure. even level, like is yeah. there gonna be that dopamine, oxytocin and so on that mm-hmm. comes from that? Or is it just added stress? Cause I'm trying to fit in.
0: Absolutely. For me, a really big mm-hmm. takeaway from Brene Brown's book and some of her talks on belonging and fitting in the differences is yeah, like we don't need to change ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of the tips around how to cultivate belonging is like, find your people, right? Find your community. The great thing about social media now is you can find so many individuals. Mm-hmm that have Mm -hmm. some shared beliefs and some shared interests. And so a lot of the research is looking at, you know, lean into the similarities, find people and it doesn't have to be all of your identity and your Mm -hmm. whole life that is identical, but really lean into those areas, those intersections that are the same about each other. Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy about uh, life and what you're doing here at Durham College and, and find some of these opportunities to that sensation of belonging versus i have to change who i am and fit in mm-hmm. and kind of act in ways that aren't authentic and true to who i for am sure, for sure and
1: yeah. and it doesn't have to be for a long period of time like christy was saying right like mm-hmm. you know an hour a week to go join this team again of something you authentically enjoy and want to be yeah. part of yeah but it's yeah and that's gives you that break and gives you that energy yeah. if you will of that as yeah. opposed to mm-hmm. yeah i have to do it that all the time or Mm -hmm. anything like that
0: and that's what i love about Mm -hmm. the dcsa networks right is if you're into anime if you're into painting Mm -hmm. if you're into sci-fi if you're into star wars right like go towards those communities and that will help cultivate that deeper sense of mm-hmm. belonging as you're sharing those same beliefs and those sh- same kind of shared interests. Mm-hmm. What were some different rabbit holes you went down this week when you studied belonging?
1: So I mentioned the the Good Life uh, book that I was, I've was i at least started to read, I'm only part way through, but um, yeah, there were some interesting ideas. Ideas there one of which ties in actually nicely with what you were saying earlier. It's related to effective forecasting Mm. If You may know the term. I don't know if you're Mm. familiar with it It was at least new to me uh, as the as the scientific term anyways Yeah, and so I'll start maybe with a question that they asked uh, or that they shared about some research done and they shared it in the book so You're going to work downtown Toronto. Okay. You take the train every day, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So which would be a more positive experience for you? You're going on the train, you go up to a stranger, sit beside a stranger and you have a conversation with them. Okay. Or you mind your own business, get to work and, you know, I'm at work, I was quiet and didn't talk to anyone.
0: The introvert in me is saying, "I don't want to talk to anyone. Leave me alone."
1: <laughs> so it's interesting, though, right? Because mm-hmm. there's that uh, that aspect of introvert extrovert comes up, especially yeah. for this. I, it didn't get a whole lot into the research in terms of uh, where that played, but mm-hmm. generally, it was interesting because they asked people what they thought, yeah. And then they group uh, broke the people into two groups. One of which they said, "Okay, get on the train and start a conversation with somebody you've never met before." And the other group they said, Get on the train, don't talk to anybody. Oh. Okay. And what they actually found when they uh, d- uh, followed up with it, I see you're nodding. I you know might where this is going. You, right, is that the people who intentionally you know sat beside a stranger and had the conversation reported an overall better feeling, better mm-hmm. you know trip than those that said I sat there and didn't talk to anybody, right, or were were yeah. told to because they were part of that of that group.
0: It's interesting that you say that. I used to ride the VIA train a lot, going back from Montreal to Durham Region, and. If I actually think about it, most of the time it was almost this mindless, like I want this train so much, you just kind of go. But if I think to like some of my more enjoyable train rides, it was when I was sitting beside strangers, normally little old ladies or little old men Mm -hmm. who were kind of engaging me in conversation that I did not ask for or start myself. Mm -hmm. But those actually were almost more enjoyable train rides now that I think on it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Right. You have the sometimes even it sticks out like this is maybe a while ago, but Mm -hmm. like, oh, I can kind of picture that one person that Mm -hmm. shared that one thing or gave
0: me a bottle of wine. That was a real nice gift exchange. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's interesting because this idea of um, effective forecasting is basically uh, the effective meaning our feelings and forecasting thinking about what our feelings will be. Yeah. And the idea of this research and other research, it's not that yeah. there's only one, this one time that it was done shows that we're actually not all that good at it in terms of the social interactions, Demonstrated. <laughs> but in the sense of, you know, we come to school and it's like, yeah. okay, well, I, how do I belong? Or I don't mm-hmm. feel like I belong, but then, you know, okay, well, why don't you join a, a, a club or why don't you join mm-hmm. a, you know, go to um, the uh, recreation center and yeah. see, right? And it's like well. No, that will be no i don't want to do that that won't be i won't enjoy it or i won't and there's that aspect of we're not good at predicting Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i'd say is in worst case scenario you don't enjoy it guess what you can do
0: yeah, not go again.
1: Not go again. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's been nice meeting you. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, it's been it's getting really busy in the semester. I can't be part of this art club anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and so on. No one's mm-hmm. like, Oh, Craig doesn't like us, right? Yeah. Or whatever. It's you know, yeah. but you can always change or you can be upfront with it and just say, This isn't for me. Either way, you know, joking aside from but like is you can stop. Yeah. But sometimes we hold back on even starting because Ooh. we're forecasting the future and we're not that good at it. right uh, coming sometimes. in with the
0: hard truths. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so those were a couple of the things that really sort of... Uh, stuck out to me Mm -hmm. and uh about about or yeah some rabbit holes and just like how we sometimes think about it just like the social media earlier and so on it depends on Mm -hmm. you know how we're using it and what we're using it for and and so on
0: Brene's Brown book, uh, um, the one about the wilderness, and I'm forgetting the title of now Mm -hmm. that it's not directly in front of me, she relates it to the wilderness, right, about how scary it can be when we're stepping into this belonging and we're trying to find these pockets of society uh, where we're able to feel the sensation and not just about fitting in, but like, you know, finding those niches and finding those people who have some Mm -hmm. of these shared interests. And so I love that kind of idea of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, step into this kind of situation that maybe feels a little bit scary, a little bit unknown.
1: And one of the quotes that I had jotted down from the book was, right, just relationships are complex and messy in general yeah but all relationships relationships with the people on the uh not varsity the uh the rec rec volleyball team that i went and joined it can be messy right but then we end up saying like just avoid it yeah right but overall just like the uh just like the ride on the on the fake train (laughs) is no but in general you feel better in the end having done it as opposed to having avoided it Hmm, I do Mm -hmm. well
0: this is the end of our show today the playlist and some of the books that were mentioned will be on our Instagram account at wellness at DC next week we are talking all about integrity and we have another guest next Mm -hmm. week I believe as well don't forget you can email us questions to discuss anonymously on air at wellpod at durhamcollege.ca last song playing us out today is Belong by R.E.M. playing us out on riotradio.ca
4: And silence the radio. Those creatures jumped the barricades and it headed for the sea.